Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Chairman, you're listening to What Do You Know on News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. Arnie Sherman, good Sunday morning to you. Scott, it's always good to uh, catch up with you on Sunday morning and uh, and see how things have been going. And this week we're going to be talking with uh, the, the mayor of uh, Missoula, John Angan, who's been a frequent guest. And we're going to uh, hopefully ask him the questions that our listeners uh, want to hear answers to. One of the things that, that I, I want to point out that some people don't know. And by the way, he's running, wait, wait, just to be clear, he's running for a fifth term, an unprecedented fifth term. Right. And and we're also going to have on his opponent, Jacob Elder, on next week's show. Yes, we're going to have both of them. We'll have asked them similar questions to find out where they stand on the important issues that face the city, affordable housing and homelessness and, uh, you know, the local economy and taxes and growth and, you know, the COVID impact and, crime and and you know all the all the things that people care about but one of the things that that sometimes we we lose in this discussion is that many of the cities in in Montana and in other parts of the country the mayor is more ceremonial right position this mayor is the chief executive officer of the city full time even in Bozeman right. we have a, we have more of a ceremonial part time uh, you know mayor who has a full time business career outside of being mayor of the city so I just wanted uh, our listeners to know that uh, that we can ask him tough and detailed kinds of questions because he is the CEO of the, of, uh, the company that we call Missoula, Montana. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, and he's I got to be honest with you, I think, you know, running for a fifth term, um, there are a lot of questions. Why a fifth term? What do you still have the fire to, to do it? And I think those sure. are there's a lot of the questions we should talk to him about because. He's very clear-headed. Um, he has a mission, um, and clearly he doesn't feel he's achieved what he's yeah. set to do. So to it's do. funny. Political um, uh, people that run for political office and football coaches twenty years seems to be long enough. If I if I told you I was CEO of a, a business here in Montana for twenty years, they'd say, "Great, you know, <laughs> you're an experienced, savvy senior guy." Right. I said I was mayor for 16 years and I'm running for another four. Say, well, maybe it's time to move on. You know, I just don't see it that way. We have to, we have to assess whether the job that needs to be done is being done. Absolutely. When we come back, our guest will be mayoral candidate John Angan. Back after this. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Okay, Arnie, we are back with our guest, uh, mayoral candidate, Mayor John Angie. John, Mayor. As I like to call you, <laughs> it's good to see you. It's good to have you back on the show and you're in candidate mode. So we're going to be in candidate mode, if that's all right. Fair enough. I will, I will take all comers in whatever form they uh, choose. So you've been the mayor since 2006, longest tenured mayor in the city's history. Uh, what do you consider looking back your, your major successes and, and what continues to be your greatest challenges? Uh, I think if I were to, if I were to name, uh, if I were to name one thing, um, uh, as a success and it, and it, it was a collaborative effort. I think the acquisition of, uh, Mountain Water Company, um, from Carlisle and later from, uh, Liberty Utilities, um, 
is uh, about the greatest uh, public service that I could have done for uh, our community today and for future generations. Um, and why is that? Tell me, tell me, tell me what the, what the logic behind that is. Cause there are some people that are still critical of the city running a water company. Yeah. So, it, it, I mean, it is, it is, as you know, um, it is, it, it, it was a saga um, and the acquisition was a saga. Um, but, but I tell you, um, you, you don't have to, you don't have to look very far uh, to see uh, harbingers of the future of water as a, a resource and as a commodity um, in the United States and around the world, and having uh, having the the literal lifeblood of uh, community in form in the form of water um, uh, controlled by uh, faraway investors. Um, makes absolutely no sense and I think is dangerous. Uh, and so acquiring that system, um, improving that system and, and securing that system for generations to come, uh, is, uh, something that the city of Missoula will not, uh, will not need to, uh, we, we're not going to have to worry about our water future. And, uh, and we were the only city of size in the state of Montana that did not own and operate its own water system. Um, uh, monopolies are, uh, terrible. Regulated monopolies aren't that much better. Um, and this is a system that now is in control of the public and that's as it should be. And so what, so what's your greatest challenge looking back over the 16 years? Oh, uh, there, there are, there are many and they are ongoing, um, you know, housing, homelessness, mental illness, addiction, uh, poverty, uh, uh, human suffering, um, uh, there, um, all of, all of those, um, all of those are, are tremendously, uh, difficult issues, um, to solve for. Um, and more and more over the course of the last 16 years, uh, municipalities, uh, cities and towns and counties, local governments have been put in the position of, um, filling gaps that have been left by, by, uh, federal government and, and state government, um, both of which have, uh, have, have uh, sort of abdicated their responsibilities in many ways. So local government is is figuring out ways to pick up the pieces. I had a conversation earlier today. Um, one of the one of the questions was uh, was uh, uh, that that critics have have uh, suggested that I'm guilty of overreach um, and and doing more than a mayor ought to do. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that, um, in terms of public safety, health and welfare, uh, uh, local governments have more and more responsibility and, um, and have had to, have had to adapt to figure out new ways of doing business. Um, I, I never wanted to be in the, in the business of, um, of, uh, uh, solving for mental health crises, but we are in that business today. Um, you, do you think, do you think that, you know, we had a pandemic, you throw a pandemic in there, right? And two questions is one is, was our, were we prepared as best we could be for something that we didn't know what, we didn't even know what was coming? So do you feel that there was great preparedness? And second question is, how do you feel we've, we've, we've fared, you know, 20 months in? Yeah. So, you know, the benefit of hindsight, I, I will, I will tell you that, um, that the, that uh, among the significant challenges of this work is that, um, is that you never know what you're going to deal with. The, the surprises are what get you. Um, and there are lots of surprises. Uh, pandemic, a surprise, nature of pandemic, um, a surprise. The, the, the preparedness of, uh, the nation as a whole, um, well, frankly, the world, um, to deal with this, we, we, we were not prepared. Um, however, we, um, we have, we have plans in place. We have protocols. We have leadership. We have structures that allowed us, um, despite not being prepared for a specific emergency, 
we really had the infrastructure in place um, to address it as as um, it emerged and as the pandemic um, dragged on and continues to drag on. Um, so, so in terms of our ability to adapt um, and make decisions, I think we were very prepared um, in terms of, uh, in terms of the specifics that is, um, you know, for, first, first stage of pandemic for us is a scramble to find personal protective equipment, right? It was, you know, where the hell are you going to get masks? Where are you going to get, where are you going to get, uh, 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 the various supplies you need to, to make sure that this thing isn't spreading. Um, but again, those structures were in place that allowed us to be in a position to make, uh, to make good decisions, um, informed decisions, and collaborative decisions. That's the other, that's the other piece of business here that I think is extraordinarily important and sometimes goes missing is that we are, um, we are, we are better as a community when we, when we, uh, talk to each other, when we communicate and when we collaborate and when we make decisions in, uh, in a vacuum, um, those decisions aren't the best and, and generally, um, require us to go back to the drawing board and try again. So we had, we had the, we had the structures in place that allowed us to, to deal with, um, with the, uh, small emergencies within the larger emergency. And I'm, I'm proud of the work that we were able to do. Um, and, and proud of the work that we're continuing to do today. Um, we are in, in the city of Missoula and Missoula County. We're, we're experiencing, um, um, the, the most cases and the worst outcomes that we've experienced as a function of the entire pandemic. Um, but, but we're in, in strange ways because of, um, because of the work of the Montana legislature. Um, we are in a, we're in a much weaker position to, to, to manage, um, to manage the pandemic at this point, you know, uh, closing in on two years later. So, so, so John, let me ask you this. We have the highest, I think, vaccination rate of any of the counties in the state, over 70%, and we have the worst number of, of new cases. What's going on? Well, we're a medical center for one thing, right? So mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's a huge factor, right? If you, if you are, if you are very sick with COVID-19, um, and you, and you live anywhere approximate to Missoula, you're going to be in Missoula. Um, and, and you're going to, and we're, we're going to get that data. We're going to get those cases and, and deal with them. Um, and as, as you both know, we're, we're in a bit of a, we're in a bit of a, uh, 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 we're, we're an island here, um, to a certain degree in terms of the politics of the pandemic. Um, we're a place that, um, that, you know, had mask mandates and, um, we had, we had, uh, facility closures and, uh, and, and those tools are gone for local governments today. Um, uh, and if I were to ask for a, if I, if, if I had the ability, if we had the ability as a county and a city to mandate masks today, um, I think the, the pushback would be enormous, um, and, uh, and the enforcement would be damn near impossible. Um, it's, it, it's confounding to me. Um, we are, we are, uh, we, we ought to be in a position where we can look out for one another and Missoula generally does that in so many ways. Um, but, but this has been, this has been a, uh, a, a space where, um, where, where national, uh, rhetoric has trickled down and had, uh, had a pretty remarkable effect. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, you know, shocking to me. And, uh, you know, as I travel to other places where, the mask mandate has made a difference. New York City. I spent the month of August in New York City. You couldn't eat at a at a fast food restaurant in the train station out in the open unless you showed a vaccination card. Yeah. You couldn't sit down and eat. You couldn't, you know, you couldn't ride on the subway without a mask. Right. I would say eighty percent of the people walking on the street, even on nice days, were wearing masks, and people felt that was 
in New York, you don't always think of a city like that as a community, but they were concerned about protecting themselves and obviously protecting you know, right. other people. Right. And then you go other places where it, you know, it's, it's some kind of sign of rebellion of some sort. And, uh, it's one that, you know, inadvertently can hurt lots of people that you don't even know. Yep. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's really unfortunate. The pandemic has, has exposed, uh, some of our, uh, our darkest and softest underbelly. Yeah. Unfortunate. Let me, let me switch gears a little bit and talk about this issue of, uh, homelessness. And, uh, you know, it ties into affordable space. It's one of your, uh, you know, one of your issues. Um, we, the city bought Sleepy Inn to try to deal with some of this issue. And what's the status of that at this point? Is it open operating? Yeah. So we, so, so, uh, so early in the pandemic, recognizing that we would have, uh, unhoused folks, um, who would, who would, uh, likely require quarantine or isolation. Uh, we recognized that that was going to be a community need and we were going to need a facility in which to do that. So we acquired the sleepy in, uh, criticism at the time is we paid too much, um, didn't match appraisal, et cetera. Um, fact of the fact of the matter is that, um, that, uh, that we, we, we had to respond to the market and we had to respond pretty quickly. Um, and we, we made a thoughtful decision to acquire that facility over the course of time. Uh, you know, the last numbers I have gentlemen are a little bit, a little bit old and pre, um, pre Delta. Uh, but, uh, but that facility, uh, housed, uh, more than 400 people, um, over the course of the pandemic. These are people who, um, who either, uh, uh, were, uh, exposed actually, uh, and uh, in some cases exposed, um, or in some cases actually had the virus. Um, they would have been living on the street, um, and they would have been, uh, they would have been spreading the virus further. Um, so we, we acquired the facility, uh, the feds call it non-congregate shelter, um, and under, uh, FEMA, Federal Emergency Management Agency guidelines, um, we were able to be, uh, reimbursed for expenses for operating that facility. So over the course of the pandemic, um, we were reimbursed by FEMA, um, uh, north of, uh, somewhere between $800,000 and a million bucks, um, to, uh, to house people in that facility. Um, I think we uh, likely saved considerable human suffering in the form of uh, disease transmission. Um, and, uh, and, but for the Delta variant and this most recent surge, um, we would have, uh, we were actually in, in conversations with the developer to purchase the property, uh, scrape it and do, uh, do a, a housing project there. Um, and in fact, we had it, we had at least two developers who were interested in that. I think that, that ultimately will be where we end up when we get past, when we get past Delta and the surge, we no longer have a need for, uh, the facility. Um, we're going to, we're going to put it on the market. Um, I suspect that we'll get, uh, we'll get at least what we paid for it, if not more, given, um, what we're seeing in the real estate market today. Uh, and, um, and depending on the nature of the development, if it were a, um, if, if the developer were interested in, uh, doing some permanent affordable housing at that site, uh, we would likely, uh, participate, um, either through a discounted purchase or, um, or some other mechanism, um, uh, to, to, to ensure that affordability was, uh, perpetual. Um, but if it's a, if it's a market rate deal, it's a market rate deal. And I think, I think we, I think we sell it and, and, uh, and get more than we paid for it. Good. Then we can go to the home and guarding network and see John Engen's flip or flop show, government flip or flop. Right. Right. So, so, you know, housing and rent prices, according to your opponent, Jacob Elder, are ridiculously high and he blames that on a failed city government. That's one of his positions. How do you respond to that? Is it the city government's fault that there's high housing costs and, and uh, rental prices in Missoula? Well, Should the city be doing more? 
I mean, it, it's 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 interesting to me, um, in as much as the in as much as the the there was a great deal for which uh, there was a great deal over which uh, local government has very little control, but has significant accountability. Um, and and housing is housing is one of those areas. So um, we are like we are like every desirable city um, in in the Western United States. We're a we're a we're a place that um, still has a sense of place. We're a place that's safe. Um, we're a place that's pretty. Um, we're of, uh, we have, we have, uh, uh, community and cultural amenities that, um, that make us an, an attractive place to live. And therefore people are, people have discovered and will continue to discover, um, that they want to live here. And that is, that is what's driving price along with the, the simple facts of, of supply and demand. Um, so great recession, uh, stops all but stops housing production in, uh, in Missoula. Um, uh, housing production begins to pick up, uh, uh, pre pandemic. Um, but, but we still had an inventory problem. We had both an inventory problem in terms of, uh, rental property and we had an inventory for single family homes. Um, Pandemic exacerbates that, uh, uh, and, and low inventory and, uh, high demand result in, in increasing, uh, costs. Um, all of those are market factors. Um, what we can, what we can do about those market factors, um, is, is, uh, is I think where the rubber meets the road, as it were. So, um, so housing costs and housing availability, not new. This is a, this is a, a slow emergency, something I've been talking about over the course of 16 years and something we've been working at. Uh, the fact of the matter is, however, that um, that local government can only do so much with the resources that we have. And if you look around our community today at the at the affordable projects that are on the ground and um, and serving the community today, uh, very few of those exist without um, without some participation from the city of Missoula. Um, further, as we look forward. Uh, we're, we'll have roughly a thousand affordable units, uh, uh, open and available over the course of the next couple of years. Each of those is a product of, uh, of the city of Missoula engaging in one way or another, uh, mostly financially to support those projects. Um, and, and to suggest that, to suggest that we, um, we have been, uh, just sort of waiting for a crisis to happen and only now are responding, um, is just patently false. Uh, we created the first housing office in the state of Montana for a municipality. Uh, we, uh, we created the first affordable housing trust fund. All of this happening pre-election and pre-pandemic. Um, I do not run for office so that I can get elected. I run for office so that I can do the work. Um, and the, and the work either gets me elected or unelected, right? Um, so this is ongoing work. Uh, and, uh, the three things that we're engaged most heavily in today are, uh, policy reform. Um, we need, we need policies that match need on the ground today. Um, and that, and, and that we're addressing through code reform. Um, and this isn't my first, this isn't my first shot at code reform. Uh, early in my tenure as mayor, um, we, uh, we, uh, completely threw out our old zoning code, which in some cases was 70 years old, um, created a bunch of community tension, wasn't effective. Um, went through a painful two-year process to uh, to throw out what was called Title 19 in our municipal code and adopt Title 20, a new zoning code, um, but it wasn't enough. It was enough for the time, however, and it was about as far as we could go. 
Um, the politics over the course of the last 16 years have changed as well. Um, Pre-recession, uh, Missoula was a place um, that had a very active community of folks who uh, did not like growth or change. Um, and uh, and every proposed uh, housing development uh, came with uh, with considerable pushback from neighborhoods and advocates. Um, that has changed, I think, over the course of years, and I think folks are recognizing now that if we want if we want our our children and grandchildren to live in Missoula um, and enjoy. Uh, the community the way that we've been able to enjoy it. If we are, uh, if we're interested in having, uh, working families, the folks who are, um, who are, uh, blowing out my sprinklers today or the folks who are, um, our servers in restaurants, our small businesses, if we want those folks to remain here, we're going to have to build new housing and building new housing in a, in a finite valley means that we're going to have to become more dense. We're going to have to use land more wisely. Um, so the code reform and policy that we're working through now um, will, uh, I think, better reflect um, our, our goals around uh, land use and density, um, take advantage of a, a existing infrastructure, um, and make it a little bit easier for folks who are in the business of building houses uh, to do that. Uh, the the second piece is we need to be staffed accordingly. So in the in these first ten months of uh, of 2021, we've issued uh, more building permits than we issued uh, the entirety of 2020. Um, it's been a it's been a record setting year for us. Um, and we expect that to continue, but the process is still challenging, um, and we still need more staff, and we need reform around our regulatory processes. So one of the things that, that, yeah, one of the things that I hear almost uniformly from developers in, in Missoula is that approval and the changes take forever. I know specifically of one development of uh, of uh, housing, you know, townhome housing. That's been waiting over a year for lot line change approval. That has to be at the core of what you need to be doing in order to, uh, you know, get done what needs to be done here. It, it is, and and we have we've we've taken uh, we've taken many steps in trying to improve those processes and timelines, um, and and we've been working very closely with the building industry to do that. Right. So I have a I have a monthly conversation with uh with representatives of the building industry along with staff um to identify those problems and and to work at solutions for those problems those meetings have been really collaborative and thoughtful and in most cases where we've been able to make progress on an incremental basis pardon me and what we're pr- proposing now is to do that on a wholesale basis um really further revamp um our processes so that it is simpler um and less time consuming and and we admit all day long where we have challenges um in some cases we ask questions that we don't need the answers to um they may have been appropriate at one time but they're not appropriate today so uh Aaron Payhan um who is uh leading that process um is incredibly responsive as i hope i have been to the building industry and in trying to address those issues um and and we're getting better depending on depending on who you talk to and what the what what jurisdiction they're dealing with some folks tell me that the development process in missoula is way better than than what they've experienced in some jurisdictions others say we're way slower um, what, but, but I am committed to us being the best, um, at, at permitting while simultaneously continuing to protect that public safety, health and welfare that is part and parcel of <clears throat> my responsibilities and our responsibilities as a community. Yeah. And there are some developers that are like more proficient and have the expertise to navigate getting things done in a municipality like Missoula and others that don't. And so yeah. I think that, that's a challenge. I have a, you know, looking at national politics and state politics, you referred to us as an island, right? We know what's going on within the state. There's a, a forces that are kind of pushing against us, um, from the state on the state side. 
I'd like you to talk a little bit about that and, and kind of how you've been navigating that now a year in um, into, you know, GN40 and uh, the legislature, but also on the on the, uh, the Senate side as well. Yeah, so what we what we found is is um, particularly this legislative session, uh, there was a very active uh, and successful movement to limit uh, local government control. Um, that's that's um, fraught with irony um, because if you listen to the folks um, who had been proponents of uh, right. these measures to limit local control. Um, God, if the if the feds ever tried to step on their toes, um, they'd scream bloody murder. Um, and so that irony isn't lost on me. Uh, so and 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 what we're left with, Scott, is really that navigation, right? How to within within the constraints of statute, um, how do we continue to be effective? Um, this legislature uh, overruled the will of Missoula voters by repealing. Uh, by repealing a two penny gas tax that uh, that Missoula voters approved, they the right. legislature undid an election, um, and in doing so, uh, cost the city and the county something on the order of six hundred thousand dollars a year that we were using to invest in in roads, um, streets, and roads, our transportation system, um, and and uh, you know un- unless other folks are elected. Um, and serving in that legislature, I think we can continue to expect more of the same. So we're, we will continue to be as agile as we can. Um, we'll continue to explain to, uh, the folks we serve that our ability to serve them has been hampered by, uh, folks in Helena. Um, and we'll soldier on and be as creative as we possibly can and, and good stewards of the resources that we do have. And it's ironic with a state legislature that is disproportionately balanced towards the eastern part of the state and rural uh, counties could have that kind of impact on a city that's experiencing growth. You almost think of it as a vendetta as well, a, a good public policy. Right. Yeah, and I, you know, and I, 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 I suffer still from, um, from giving folks the benefit of the doubt and, um, and, uh, and I, I would, I would like to think that, um, that it isn't something as petty as, uh, some jealousy around what Missoula does and, and the creativity and, and the generally thriving nature of the community. Um, what, I, what I see is, what I see is, um, more than a Republican Democrat divide and urban rural divide. Um, and as an urban mayor, I have, uh, I have tremendous respect and appreciation for rural Montana. Um, we, M- Missoula isn't the place it is without, without our rural friends and neighbors. Um, but I want that street to go both ways. And I, I would, I would love for rural legislators to recognize that these urban centers um, are are uh, as important to those folks as rural Montana is to the urban centers, and that that gets lost. Sure. For our listeners, what was the rationale for overriding a local vote like that to add two cents? What was the rationale? Uh, it, I, I believe it was simply a, I think it was simply an, an anti-tax measure. Um, I think it was, um, I think it was, a, an effort to ensure that, I mean, we were the only county in the state that had, a, that had a local option, uh, gas tax that was approved by voters. And I think they didn't want any more, uh, municipalities or, or large counties to engage in that. Uh, because they, they think it's harmful and, and, you know, they, they want services, they want better roads, they want good bridges, they want good infrastructure. Um, but they, there's no expectation that anybody pays for it. My continuing lingering frustration, uh, here in the state of Montana as somebody who was born here and has lived all of my life here is that, um, is that we let, uh, the, the millions of visitors to our state, um, enjoy everything that we have to offer, uh, 
and uh, and we don't we don't collect a nickel from them to support the infrastructure that allows all of those amenities to right. exist. They, sure, and they drive through. They drive through, but they don't. They don't. You know, well, we they, want to get that tax. Right. They take advantage of everything here, and they're not they're not proportionately taxed for what they do. Let's. Uh, Let's do, I want to zoom out a little more because I'm a, I'm a national political junkie as is Arnie. And so when you think about what's going on in Washington right now and you think about the build back better and the infrastructure plan that Biden is trying to push to get through and he's got a lot of headwind. If that gets through and when that gets through, how does that impact a municipality and a community like Missoula? And how closely are you kind of look, seeing that, looking at that stuff and saying, boy, I know if this goes through, this is, this is these are the plus areas that's going to directly impact our community. And well, so yeah, so so if I <clears throat> again sort of taking taking the broad and long view, um, the notion, and, it, and again, it so much depends on what what survives the the process, right? But um, if I if I look at you know we we've been talking we've been talking for the better part of two years. We've done uh, we've done considerable research. Around um, our ability as a community to fund uh, a two-year college tuition-free for um, our residents, uh, and um, and 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 thinking about the benefits of that to the community and to individuals. Um, if if the if the uh, if the Biden plan survives and two-year college is a component of that. That is a that's a huge benefit for this community. As we look at as we look at pre K, taking care of kiddos um, very early in their lives, where it matters the most, that is a huge impact on this community, um, and something that we've been trying to achieve locally uh, that could be handled um, uh, uh, quickly and and painfully and be funded through this federal program. Um, so I look at that I, as I look at infrastructure. There, um, there are a couple ways to think about it. ARPA, the beauty of both CARES and um, the American Rescue Plan is that um, is that municipalities receive direct allocations. So we got we got a, a share of CARES funds um, uh, through the. Um, that, that came through the state and were allocated through the state under a different administration. But ARPA came to us as a, as a, um, direct allocation. So $14.2 million to the city of Missoula, um, which is making a huge difference in terms of a, what I, what I need to charge residents in terms of property taxes. It's making a huge difference in terms of our pandemic response and what we're able to do. Around homelessness and housing, um, those those federal dollars, when directly allocated to communities, right. um, get spent well. They get spent wisely. They get spent efficiently. Uh, the you know the infra, in, infrastructure money that went to the state of Montana went through um, a political ringer. It's they're still the legislative committees dealing with it. Still aren't done. Um, and it's hard to know where that, that money is going to go. But when it lands on the ground here, um, we, we already know what our priorities are. We already know what, uh, needs to be done. We understand community values and where those resources ought to be spent. Um, and, and we're deploying that money, I think, really effectively. Uh, so my hope is that as a function of whatever uh, comes out of this massive legislation, which I think is absolutely necessary um, to the well-being of our country, uh, I hope that there is a direct allocation component of that because local local governments they're on the front line. We live with the consequences of our decisions. We know our we know our communities and. And um, we're we're in a great position to to put those resources to work. I want to flip back for just a minute to uh, the campaign again. Um, your opponent has uh, said that there's a uh, a growing crime rate in uh, in Missoula, and uh, we haven't been responsive to it. Uh, what's your What's your response to the, that charge? 
you, you know, I, I would, I actually haven't seen any specifics with regard to, um, to this growing crime rate. What, what I do know is that, um, is that we're working largely in the arena of violent crime, um, and doing everything we can, uh, around both, uh, both prevention, but also arrest and prosecution and investigation. And, uh, I, I continue to believe that Missoula is a very safe place. Um, and certainly, uh, certainly as we look at other communities around the state, we're, we're as safe or safer. Um, we can always do better. Um, I added, uh, I added two police officers this year, uh, to our ranks. Um, and we invested, uh, uh, last year while the, while the drumbeat was defund police. Um, I, uh, increased the police department's budget by, uh, by a little better than, uh, half a million dollars to ensure that, um, that we were, uh, uh, adequately, uh, training our officers to deal with, uh, with the, the changing landscape. We've also adjusted our schedules. Um, you know, for many years, we, we have been operating on a schedule that, um, that was built around the 1980s. Um, and it was, uh, it was built to compensate for the fact that uh, people poured out of bars at two in the morning and raised hell on the weekends. Um, our calls for service, uh, the majority of our calls for service for the police department happened between uh, three in the afternoon and 10 in the evening on weekdays. And so we've revamped our schedule entirely to allow officers. We've got more officers on the street during those peak times and fewer during non-peak times. Um, and that new schedule has also allowed us for, uh, allowed us to, uh, to create a, a training regimen, um, that allows every, uh, every officer to get a full day of, uh, intensive training, uh, in arenas ranging from, uh, de-escalation to crisis intervention, uh, uh, to use of force. Um, so we're adapting as we go. Uh, again, I haven't, I, I haven't seen this set of statistics that, um, that my opponent is relying on. Um, I also haven't seen the, the massive flight from the city that, uh, my opponent suggests is, uh, at play, um, we were at a, we were at a forum, uh, a Zoom forum a few weeks ago and, uh, to hear, to hear the des- description of the city, um, from that perspective, I didn't recognize it. Um, I don't see people fleeing the city. I don't see people not investing in the community. I don't see businesses running out or closing. Um, I, I in fact see the opposite. So in our last in our last minutes with you, um, you're running for an unprecedented fifth term. What do you say to the voters about uh, John Engen and uh, his ability to continue to serve the city for another term? Uh, I say that um, that I believe that uh, I have uh, a, a record that reflects uh, a, a person who. Um, is collaborative and thoughtful, um, able to make decisions, able to respond to uh, community needs, able to respond to emergencies, uh, and and is able to do so in a way that's effective and uh, and uh, and uh, and uh, is all about improving the community and the quality of life for the folks we serve. Um, I'm not tired. Um, I have fire in my ample belly to continue this work. Um, there are lots of things that I want to see through. Um, our housing policies and practices, I believe, will be, um, I, I believe that they will be models for other communities. I believe that, um, that the work we do with uh, public safety and first responders will be models for other communities. I believe that we're, um, we're engaging in, in uh, projects and collaborations that will uh, that will uh, uh, be replicated over and over again in terms of uh, housing development, 
Um, uh, there is so much great work to be done and so many great people pulling in the same direction. Um, I have the relationships. I have, uh, I have the, the, uh, the, um, wisdom to know that I'm not the smartest person in the room. Um, I still have the capacity to listen and learn. And all of those things are incredibly important in moving this community forward. Thank you, John. Scott, any, any last words for John? No, I appreciate your, your coming on, Mayorang, and we always enjoy having you on. You know, it would not be an interview without you not talking about the university a little bit and the importance of the university in our community. We have a couple of minutes left. I know that you have a great partnership with the university. Can you give us a little, you know, glimpse as to where we're going with that and, um, you know, admissions and enrollment hopefully going up? Yeah, well, we've, we've seen, we've seen some, we've seen some, uh, some good sort of leading early indicators with regard to enrollment. Um, and, and my hope is that, uh, my hope is that the bleeding has stopped. Um, we, we continue to be a, a great community, um, a great place to live and work. And I think, uh, and I think we ought to be very attractive to, to students. Um, I, I believe that, uh, President Bodner and his team, uh, continue to try to settle on, um, on, on having, uh, an integrated enrollment program. Um, they've been plagued with change in personnel. They've been plagued with, uh, a pandemic. I mean, as you, you start to look at all the, all the obstacles in the way of success, and there have been many, and I think they're doing their best to overcome them. Um, and, uh, and, uh, we, we want to continue to collaborate in, in every way we can. Uh, fundamentally, I think the, the, we, we need to start thinking about the Montana University system as a system more than as a, um, as a, a grizzly and a bobcat and, um, and, and figure out better ways, um, really at the state level, uh, for the system to integrate so that there aren't winners and losers and there's not, uh, there's not competition that's not, there, I, I think there's healthy competition, there's unhealthy competition. I think today we're suffering to a certain degree from an unhealthy competition. Mm. I think there are ways that, that, um, there could be more collaboration. Uh, I can tell you that I am, uh, I'm grateful most days to be the mayor of the city of Missoula and not a football coach or a university president <laughs> or a hospital administrator, um, or a superintendent of schools. Uh, and so I, uh, I'm a, I'm, I'm a little bit careful in, in, uh, in uh, uh, entering an arena in which I am not, uh, in which I am not uh, fully equipped to be a gladiator. You know what you don't know. Um, how, how can folks learn more uh, about your, if they want to donate to your campaign or they want to learn more about your platform? Your you know, so it, it all, it all lives uh, on a website called Ingen for Missoula. And, uh, and it's hard to miss if you type in Engen for Missoula. You may get some other stuff that you don't necessarily want to see. But, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but th- that's where I am. We've got, we've got lots of information there. Um, and, uh, and, uh, I am, you know, continue to be open to conversations with the folks I serve and, and hope to continue those conversations and hope to, pardon me, uh, be able to continue to serve the community. Absolutely. We appreciate your time. Appreciate your time. Thank you. As always, as always, Mayor, it's, 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 uh, it's always fun and and interesting and informative talking with you. Well, I was a little windy today. I apologize for that, but, um, okay. We got to get a lot of stuff covered and, and, uh, we did a pretty good job in, in the time we had. Well, there is, there is so much. Um, it's, it's, um, it's an endlessly fascinating, uh, job and an endlessly fascinating community. Let's leave Thank it you, at that. All right. Thank you, Mayor Ingen. Thank you. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. 
At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, Arnie, that was a, a lively conversation with Mayor John Angin. What'd you think? You know, it's it's so hard be, to get into the the uh, the weeds of all of the issues. We there are several that we hadn't even get a chance to talk about because they are complex. There's no simple answer. You can't just you know bus homeless people somewhere else. You know, you can't just uh, put more police officers everywhere. I mean, the issues that face the city, you you just can't eliminate all rules and regulations. You can't put housing price controls on you know the last the last public official to advocate for price controls interestingly enough was uh richard nixon <laughs> was one of his policies 50 years ago right. you know that would never fly with the republican party today or most people they don't want you know free market we believe in a free market you know except that when the prices get too high you're looking for someone to try to intervene and do something about it so it's a thankless job to some extent and it was good to hear him balance you know, his concern about being an administrator with his concern about the less fortunate, you know, and the homeless and, you know, the, the, the condition of the people in, in, in Missoula, Montana. It'll be interesting to see how, how uh, a political novice like uh, Jacob Elder, uh, you know, responds to those kinds of issues. Absolutely. And tune in next week, folks, to hear Jacob Elder speak with Arnie and I. Arnie, I'll see you next week. Take care, Scott. Thank you for listening to What Do You Know? I can't wait for the next show, Scott. I'm excited too, Arnie. If you'd like to suggest a guest, send me an email at scottrichman at townsquaremedia.com. We'll see you next week. And thanks for listening to News Talk KGVO. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done